When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Vanessa Carlton performs live at the Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on March 1st, and the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia on March 2nd. We spoke about her newest album, Love is an Art, with songs like Future Pain and Die Dinosaur, as well as how her pilot father got her demo tape to a record exec for her breakthrough hit, A Thousand Miles. Hi. Hey, Vanessa Carlton. Hey, thank you so much for joining us on WTOP in Washington, D.C. Thank you for having me. Now, we're talking because you're coming to the Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on March 1st and the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia on March 2nd. Two chances for our folks in the D.C. area to, to come see you. Um, didn't you recently just didn't you just tour with Stevie Nicks? You know, what, what did you learn uh, from touring with her? Any good vibes and carry over into this tour? Yeah, all of that, man. That was that was amazing. So yeah, I opened for Stevie's show um last year, uh, last fall. Oh my god, what is time? It flies. Um, and of course, like it's like watching a masterclass, yeah. watching that show every night. You know, um, being able to learn and figure out what you want to pull and take it, and just yeah, it's um really inspirational to get to tour with her. And of obviously, this tour is like. Um, so that was just me by myself and the piano, which is a little bit terrifying because it was just me and like 15,000 people and yeah. holy crap, like every show I have like an anxiety attack before that never goes away. The nerves never. And once you get out there, it's good, but like it's good. So um, I feel like she, that opportunity got me back sort of in the saddle, so to speak. Um, Cause I think a lot of performers that I know would just, we've had a weird few years you know not a lot of performing not a lot of connecting to your to your audience so I'm just pumped to be able to do these intimate shows again um and just be in the same room as other human beings like you know experiencing music I love it. Um, and I and of course we should tell everyone that um it's called the Future Pain Tour, which is a song off your latest album, Love is an Art. Um, I wanna I wanted to do a deep dive on the new album, if you don't mind, on a couple of the songs. So we mentioned Future Pain. Uh talk about sort of the inspiration for that. I guess it's sort of this vicious cycle of self-destruction, nothing to lose, nothing to gain, but future pain, sort of that idea, but you keep doing it. <laughs> is that is that where what what the vibe is or what was the message for you? So uplifting, right? Right, I know. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I think that, uh, well, first of all, that song we're going to play. I'd love that song. It, and I never got the opportunity to tour that album. So I thought it was just sort of a, uh, a, a cheeky and maybe somehow appropriate title for the whole tour, though. I understand that it's not the most uplifting, but <laughs> I think part of the point is, um, is like, I like the idea of feeling like I'm in, when I go to a show, 
it just feels like usually like a very safe space for me to feel all the it's a spectrum of things that's go, that are going on in my, that's going on in my life the good the bad um the 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 pain you know the joy and just having that connection of uh you know through humility humanity with everybody else in that room so you know i i think by nature of connecting through the through music i think people feel good and even if you are singing about some stuff that can, that is hard. And it's like, as long as you sort of have a set list that goes through all the realms, I think that, um, I, I think it just feels like joyful when you leave a show. That's my hope. For, for oh, the show. yeah. Even though it's called future pain. I hope when your future after you leave the show is not painful. <laughs> exactly. Well, like you're saying, it covers the spectrum because there's future pain where you're living, dealing with sort of, you know, downer, you know, vicious cycle of stuff. But then there's also, I don't know, back to life, which is your body coming back to life after being in the dark, maybe addiction or abuse play. You know what I mean? Like a uh, rebirth of sorts. So uh, talk about what you're going through, what you were going for with back to life in terms of are you trying to inspire audiences to find a rebirth? Well, that song in particular yeah, I guess that goes nicely and hand in hand with you. The future pain song was just about cyclical, like you know when you know you're about to make your your you know that this decision you're about to make is not good for you, but you're going to do it anyway. I think everyone has had that moment, right? So I just wanted to like write. We wanted to write that song mm-hmm. um, for all of you out there that do that too. And then so back to life though that particular song, which is also on the, the last album, Love Is an Art that was about really coming out of a lot of, you know, um, like drug and alcohol um, abuse and really coming back into like kind of breaking patterns, which can, it takes practice to like really break some patterns and like really just come back into the world again um, in the way that, that, that I wanted to. Um, And I, you know, I don't know, I hope that other people can relate, relate to that moment too. Absolutely. Let's do another one off that album while we're breaking it down. How about the only way to love it? The, the line is I want to run, but I won't get very far because <laughs> can't fight the force of my young beating heart. So, yeah. uh, well, uh, just explain sort of, I mean, I've, a lot of people can probably relate to that one, right? They, they, even if they try to leave, they, they, they're just so in love or they can't fight that, you know, <laughs> the romantics. I love the romantics because God, they're so brave. They're so much more brave than me, but, um, <laughs> That's for all the romantics out there that um, really are so honest in their feelings. And um, I think that you can't be, yeah, yeah. That song in particular is about going all in, you know? So I'm not saying that you do that right away, but I think that being someone like from my own experience, um, being, have gone through periods of being overly protective of myself and distrust, just not trusting of my own, surroundings and people and it's always held me back from connection um and really i think what's interesting about that song too it's really more about trusting yourself and trusting your mm. the way that you see people the way that you it, that's what's really about and that's what allows someone to jump off the cliff and just be like okay i'm gonna try this with you like let's let's do this like you know that feels it feels amazing for I sure well, time for one more on off that album because you've been the, the three we mentioned are you know more like very personal sort of ideas. Um, but Die Dinosaur is, I guess, more of a larger, broader social commentary sort of an idea. At least the way I read it, of Die Dinosaur to sort of like 
young people, young voters, maybe waiting for older out of touch dinosaurs, the people in power uh, to die off so that, you know, the, the new wave can come through. Is that, is that what inspired you to do die dinosaur? I assume. I mean, it kind of needless to be say after the last couple election cycles, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> Just the old guard that's like guarding progress. You know, it's not about age. I'm not an ageist. I mean, right. I'm old. Like what? Like, I feel like a dinosaur myself sometimes, but like it's about Out outdated way of thought. It's about the way that you think. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it is. I think we are really on this precipice of a whole new era of um, communication and and the way that people connect on like because of the Internet. I think there's good and bad. Obviously, there's it's really difficult for people to decipher between what's true and what's not. That's obviously a fundamental issue at this point, like for sure. But what's the the good has been that so many people come together over issues and share situations that allow humanity, I think, in, in, to move forward and to solve some big problems. I hope so. I hope that that's the direction that that we're moving because there's a lot of people now. <laughs> like popular like there's a lot of us you know we really gotta hone our uh our our communication skills and also think more um outside of the take some risks in our thinking things think more outside of the box and it's really all about moving forward you know i agree entirely agree entirely all these crazy alien stories can't be true can they hey Stephen diener hosted the unidentified alien podcast and whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there the unidentified alien podcast or uap for short there's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world and the beauty of it is that i bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe download and subscribe to uap on any of the major podcasting platforms and you can also find it on uappodcast.com i'm bradley trainer and i'm don mcclain we have a podcast called blinded by the item a blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out it's a guessing game and you can play along the item might be like this a-list star carries a birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Well, we're talking so much about moving forward, but real quick, I want to talk. I want to take us back really quick. I want to know your origin. I know you you were born and you grew up in Pennsylvania, um, in I guess in the 80s. What sort of stuff did you listen to or how'd you get bit by the music bug? I want to know if there was, you know, like, a I don't know, a piano teacher or a song on the radio. You know, I don't know if it's probably yeah. never an easy answer like that. But you know what I mean? What sparked it? Oh, God, the 80s, man. I am a dinosaur. Aren't I? <laughs> um, so, well, my mom is a piano teacher. So she taught me to play the piano and she would run, she ran a piano, piano school out of our house. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of pianos that we had and a lot of playing. Uh, and I think a lot of the pieces that I really started becoming interested in, in, um, in terms of music were, were, were classical pieces. And then um, she was really smart and would bring in like books, like song books of records that were, 
you know, like a Neil Young record, like you could learn how to play Harvest Moon and you were also learning like a Debussy piece. I thought that was really smart for kids that, or like Top of the Pops. That was my favorite. It was like a Top of the pop, So you could learn like the Cheers, like what people, that's what a kid wants to play. But I also love the classical, like there was some really interesting classical stuff that I was learning. And then on my dad's, my dad's side in terms of influence, he's just much more straightforward. Um, you know, we'd always, he was always listening to like Pink Floyd and like, you know, Carol King, uh, Fluid Mac. Um, so that was, that was sort of my upbringing musically. Right. Absolutely. So that's cool. So you kind of got it honestly, the parents, it was, it was, it was right there from the beginning with the mom as the piano teacher. Cool. So, but then, yeah. sorry, well then fill, you can't escape it, but fill in the gap there between that. And when you get signed for, you know, be that nobody, you're the first big massive album. Like, um, what, did I read that you went to school in New York, but dropped out of Columbia to, to kind of do the singing gig around town thing or, you know, what were those early struggling years, you know, before you got signed? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was sort of like a very hit hit or miss waitress for some time there. But but really what I did was I I mean, I was a ballet dancer when I was nine. I really started studying pretty seriously. And then I moved to New York because I got into the School of American Ballet, which I really wanted to attend that school. I love the New York City Ballet. So I was in that sort of training for till I started writing some my own songs, like with lyrics um, at in my dorm room when I was about 15 or 16. Um and that's what was the beginning of writing my first record. And then so I sort of just did took the route of I'm actually not going to dance at all. After I sort of graduated SAB, um, I wanted to stay in New York um, and I, I didn't want to join any. I just didn't want to dance anymore uh, for whatever uh, an array of reasons. And then so I, I started waitressing and sort of pursuing a way to figure out how to get a record deal. And what I ended up doing is um, my dad's a pilot and he was very lucky. He was, he was flying someone who was friends with Ahmed Erdian. And I had made a little like cassette tape and he gave the cassette tape to Ahmed's friend. And then Ahmed, he, this guy actually gave it to Ahmed and Ahmed called, called left a message for me at my dorm when I was oh, in wow. ballet school. And I started meeting with him. And so that was really cool because it I think because of his interest, I ended up getting a publishing deal. That was like sort of the beginning of it. Very, very kind of one of those dreamy moments. You know what I mean? I'm, but you know, a lot happened after that. Sure. And, um, but that was really how I just to answer your question. How I sort of jumped from being able to sort of leave my my waitering job and then just be able to do music full time and playing shows around New York for sure, like Bitter End. Yeah, Sawa Cafe. Yeah, love it. Yeah, that's the thank you. I, I know there's always more, way more to the story, but thanks for distilling it into the major moment. <laughs> um, and I promise I'll only ask one question about a thousand miles. I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, but it did get you three Grammy nominations, record of the year, song of the year. It was it was massive. So, how much did that change your life? How cool is it that you, literally anyone anywhere in the world can hear and they'll know the song? I mean, you're it's you're part of history with that one. So just <laughs> how much did it change your life? Yeah, that's it's pretty crazy. Um, I think it yeah changed my life forever. I think um, I will. I'm at a place in my I'm in a chapter in my life right now in particular where I'm like it's just like all right. I, this has allowed me to have such freedom to really step outside of the, the mainstream and just do take sort of big risks and do, 
engage in collaborations I've always wanted to engage in and just giving me a level of like um, artistic freedom and room to explore. That's, it is amazing. And then I can, I, I can always just play that song for people and it brings them, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing, man. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. I feel like there's a lot of other songs out there that are like better than that song, but there, I think it's a piano thing that people just, I'm just very lucky they, that people chose to love it, you know? Absolutely. Well, we, we will be, we would be here all day if we went through all your albums, Harmonium, Heroes and Thieves, Rabbits on the Run. Is, is it Lieberman, Lieberman? That was a painting by your, your late grandfather. Is that right? Lieberman? Yep. Lieberman, okay. yeah. Lieberman well, was his original name, and then he changed it because he was a little concerned to have um, a Jewish name as a uh, shirt designer. So uh, to honor our um, Jewish uh, history and um, who we are um, on my mother's side, I wanted to highlight a name and bring it back out from the shadows into the light again. Cool. Well, a second ago, you mentioned that, that, you know, it's funny that a thousand miles was so big because you thought there are better ones you've written. Do you have an example or two? If, if Let's say there's some listeners that only know you from a thousand miles, which is crazy. But like, let's say you, you want them to, to give them some homework like or fun homework. <laughs> go, go to this album or this song or you know what I mean? Is is there something? Where should they start? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? I think that I would say a sort of a reset or not a reset, but like there's like my second chapter started with rabbits on the run though. I do still do sound still very young. Cause my voice has really changed as I gotten older, which I've enjoyed that. <laughs> but, um, but I feel like, uh, yeah, it got, it's got lower in Liberman, which I love that. So, so rabbits on the run is probably a good place to start. It's a short record. It's all recorded to tape. And I recorded it with Ari Ingber and the drummer, uh, Petra Callahan from my morning jacket with Steve Osborne at the helm. And that was like recorded in the English countryside, you know. Um, and then Liverman is like the brain bath meditation, like really cool. Put it on the morning when you have coffee, evening when you whatever tea, wine, and um, just a vibey background like that brings you. I think it hopefully affects your mood, um, makes you calm and chill. And there's some songs on there that I love very much, especially "Take It Easy" was the is the first song from Liverman that I love. So, and then yeah. I mean, I'm going to and I'm going to place some of my I'm going to cherry pick from those two albums and put those in the set as well. Great. So we'll hear all of that and some of the hits and all of that, the whole gamut at, at, at Annapolis on March 1st and Birchmere on March 2nd. So everybody get your tickets now. Final question. I want to ask real quick about the Broadway debut in Beautiful, the Carol King musical. What was that in 2019? I guess it was right before the pandemic, I guess. Um, but I. It, it's sort of, I guess it was sort of a, you know, I guess similar to like a Sarah Bareilles with Waitress, but it's, this was a, mus a musician, Carol King, so it's a natural transition for you, but it had to have been kind of exciting to try a whole different medium. I mean, I don't know if you'd even really done much acting even before that. I don't know. You tell us, but what, what was yeah. it like getting to do Broadway? Yeah, no, I was so scared. I actually reached out to Sarah because I was like, what am I doing? And she's a musical theater like master and very experienced. And so I was like, help me. And she was like, listen, once you just that first show, when you just, you just jump off the cliff and you're just going to, you're just going to go. It's just, you just need to jump off the cliff and you'll be good. Um, but it took a ton of preparation. I'd never acted on stage before. And I just really wanted to bring something really natural to her, that role. 
sort of, I'm, I know, I, Carol, I, I don't know her very well, but I had the honor of getting to write with her early on in my career. And I just like, it was one of the greatest experiences and most challenging experiences of my life. And just to be part of that, um, that group of actors and singers and dancers, that was the greatest honor. And not just, not just to tell Carol's amazing story, but to be part of that production was awesome. Absolutely. Well, maybe one day, you never know. Maybe they'll do a Vanessa Carlton musical. You never know. <laughs> oh, God. But the, that, the legacy is, is, is still left to be written. There's many more chapters before, you know, we get to Carol King territory. But you know what I mean? Like I, We're excited to see where you go from here. And Love is an Art is a great next step with this future pain tour. Lots of good songs. And thanks for breaking down that those songs, that album in depth. Now, that was great. Um, well, thanks so much. We'll let you run. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, again, it's Ramshead, Annapolis, March 1st, Bir Birchmere in Alexandria, March That's 2nd, right. Vanessa Carlin. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.